Hello, and welcome to The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news' biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm your host, Tessa Osborne, and today we'll be discussing a women's basketball centerpiece in our most recent print edition, updates on an MSU student who was recently deported, and a speech President Donald Trump gave in Warren, Michigan. Thanks for joining us. President Donald Trump stopped in Warren, Michigan on his way to an Iowa campaign rally to discuss a new trade deal made to replace the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA. Managing editor Mila Murray reported on Trump's speech. We are now joined with her to discuss her coverage of the event. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So what were your main takeaways from Trump's speech? The reason Trump was invited to Dana Incorporated, which is an auto supplier in Warren, Michigan, was to talk about the new trade deal, which is the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement that is replacing NAFTA, um, and to specifically talk about how this is going to impact the manufacturing industry. The CEO of Dana Incorporated actually served on the Manufacturing Council of the United States in the Trump administration in 2017, so he invited Trump to have him talk about how this is going to impact um, Michigan and their business as well. Okay, and how will this impact the state of Michigan? So the CEO and Trump both talked about how it's going to facilitate job creation in Michigan and just make business better for manufacturing plants like Dana Incorporated. Trump did mention during his speech that this is going to create about 80,000 jobs And then also the Independent International Trade Commission estimated it would create about 28,000 jobs um, in the automotive industry. So that's sort of the projected impact of this trade deal in the area. Awesome. Um, What other topics did Trump touch on with his speech? So Trump also talked a bit about impeachment, which when he gave his speech, it was the second day of um, questioning in his impeachment trial. And specifically, he talked about uh, some of the changes he's made since being elected, including um, a tax cut. So as a journalist, what was it like being in that environment? It was interesting because I know of other journalists who've covered Trump rallies where there are thousands and thousands of people in attendance. But this was a relatively small event. I mean, media was only 200 feet away from the president. So that was really interesting. Um, Also, there were only about 800 to 1,000 people at the event, so once again, it was a lot different from um, the kinds of events that involve Trump that journalists tend to cover. Thank you, Mila, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm currently joined by women's basketball beat reporter Devin Anderson-Torres. Devin, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. The team has been plagued by injuries all year. How do they stay in the position where they can still obtain their goals? So basically, this is what the CP is all about. They are embracing a team mentality, a next man up mentality where, you know, it might not be one person's night, but it might be the others. And through that, they've kind of grown as a team, built on their chemistry and been able to pull out some tough wins through the adversity that they face. Okay. And then you spoke about their chemistry. How do you, where does their close chemistry like come from, would you say? So for this, I'll actually tell a story. Um, after their win against Moorhead State, which I mentioned in the CP, 
I asked Nia Holly, where does that chemistry come from and how do they build it to a point where it was this strong? And Nia Holly told me that it starts off the court. So before basketball, they're sisters, they're a team. They spend all the time in the day together. And through that, they've grown really close and it has helped them with their chemistry on the court. And that, I think, in the simplest of terms is what has helped them win or just stay afloat. Okay, and how have the freshmen factored into the team this season? Huge, huge. Not just the freshmen, but the underclassmen as well. So when you look at the state's roster right now, Shea Colley, their senior guard, out for the year. Coco Gaines, their starting forward, out for the year. Uh, Madrika Cook, um, junior, redshirt junior, so she's also with the senior class. Just Tori Achilles, so she's out for the year. And... um, Tori Osment also just went down with a concussion, so we don't know where she's going to be at. But the freshmen have, and not just freshmen, but underclassmen have been able to step up and, like I said, embrace that next man up role, next woman up role, and excel in their jobs. Um, Maura Joyner, for example, she's averaged almost 14 points a game for the last four, which is really unheard of for a true freshman. She's been guarding you know, some of the toughest defenders in the Big Ten and has stepped up as a leader when some of her other leaders are struggling on the court, dealing with injuries, and, yeah, I mean, they've just performed outstandingly well. Okay. Um, and then senior Taryn McCutcheon is wrapping up a successful career here in East Lansing. How is she looking to finish out her career? Earlier this year, Taryn scored her thousandth, thousandth point, um, which was a pretty big feat. But, you know, obviously not the way she wanted to head out as far as the record goes at this point. I mean, they're 11-9, and barely above 500, but they still have a lot of time left. They have Maryland Northwestern, Rutgers, and Minnesota to go. Still got Michigan one more time. I think she'd want to go out with a win against Michigan. But, you know, with the injuries this team has faced, I think the best way that they can send Taryn McCutcheon off is as a leader, and that's what she's been this year. She's playing through a broken finger. She's playing through an Achilles injury. She's just dealing with a lot of stuff, and she's still out on the court every day. And, um, you know, for the bad luck this team has had this season, I don't think you can really ask much more of that from your captain. Um, And then what do you think this team can accomplish with a depleted roster this year? So, like I said, they, um, they have a lot of people injured, a lot. And a lot of the people they're playing are inexperienced. It's a lot of growing pains. It's a lot of, um, you know, not playing the full four quarters, and it, it's kind of hurt them. But they still have a lot to play for. I mean, if not playing for championships, they're playing for their se- themselves, and they're playing for their seniors, playing for the people that can't play. They have Maryland Northwestern in the upcoming week, and those are two of the best teams in the Big Ten right now. I mean, if they get hot, they could still make the NCAA tournament. So I think they have a lot left to play for still. I think that... You know, overall, if they're not playing for this season, they're playing for experience for the next, you know, four years, three years that they have left. And they definitely don't seem like they're ready to throw in the towel. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. We're here with Wendy Guzman, student government reporter, and she's here to talk about the deportation of Iranian Michigan State student Alriza Yazdani. Who is Alriza Yazdani? What was he studying? 
So Yesenia was a, um, st- a student coming for a PhD program in the Agricultural College. Um, he applied in, I believe, the summer and got accepted in September and was set to start classes this month. And what was the university's response to the deportation? Um, so they had been working, like, once they found out that he was held, he was held in, uh, in jail for overnight on his birthday, sadly. Um, they found out about that and were trying to communicate with the Michigan congressional um, delegation just to try to see if they could do anything to help him because they were made aware that he was heading towards here and then was denied entry. So they, yeah, that's pretty much what um, MSU spokesperson Emily Grant was saying. They were just in contact with everyone, the lawyers, just to try to help the situation, see if there was anything that they could do to stop the deportation from happening. Yeah, um, and then I'm curious, how did the community react to this? Um, well, we talked to Dream MSU, who is an organization to help um, immigrant students on campus, and they seriously believed that it wasn't just a actual reasoning to his deportation, more just discriminatory based mm-hmm. on the fact that he is from Iran. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of the similar responses that we were getting as well. And I know you've covered many protests since starting here at State News, mm-hmm. um, like Dream MSU's protest was earlier last November. Can you tell us a little bit about Dream MSU's demands? Um, yeah, so Dream MSU is really just trying to make MSU a university that's just safe for immigrant students and international students that um also undocumented. So with the whole scare that there were ICE officers on campus as well, they just wanted to make sure that students that came here, came to study, could be here to study. That's what they came for, nothing else, and just make sure that they felt like MSU was their home. They um wanted MSU to prioritize the immigrant students as as much as they prioritize citizen students. And what were the challenges you faced while covering this story on deportation? Um, I'd say probably just confirming and making sure that everything happened the way it happened. Because I think when a lot when things happen, especially not here, it's sometimes difficult to get in contact with the right people that would know. Um, we were able to get um, confirmation from a couple sources as well as like the lawyers so once we got once we got that it felt it fell through much better Mm -hmm. and everything kind of put into place but yeah it was definitely a lot of just emailing anyone that could possibly have information on this Emily Grant the lawyers um just people that we saw talking about on Twitter just trying to find as much as we could and what was it like interviewing an immigration lawyer it was interesting to see that he, it didn't really seem like he cared. So it was nice that he also mentioned that he was, would be really sad if it was a case of discrimination against um, inter- international students. And I, I really appreciated that, that it seemed like he genuinely cared and genuinely thought that there was like, he really wanted to help him and try to make sure that he got back and could stay and study here. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. See you. Thanks again for joining us this week at the 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look of some of the state news' biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from reporters who wrote them. 
You can follow us on Twitter at The Snooze, on Instagram at State News, and on statenews.com. Also be sure to pick up a weekly print edition on stands all across campus. We'll be back next week to unpack even more stories.